Hello, South Florida sports fans, and welcome to this week's edition of Valley Sports Miami Mic'd Up with me, Jeremy Taché. We've got a jam-packed episode of Miami Mic'd Up as we have both John Crotty and Katie Angleson joining me as the Heat and Panthers continue to make their playoff runs. The Panthers in action tonight in Game 2 of their series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And you can watch the Panthers live post-game show after the game on Bally Sports. Katie Engelson will be there. And of course, the Miami Heat taking on the New York Knicks in Game 3 of their second-round series. That's on Saturday afternoon. And after that game that begins at 3.30 on ABC, you can watch the Heat live post-game show. Of course, you will have the whole cast and crew. Unfortunately, John Crotty not with us for Game 3, as I'll mention here in this upcoming interview but he will be back for game four and I will be there for both games three and four. So really looking forward to these broadcasts of these post game shows after game two tonight for the Panthers game three for the heat on Saturday and all postseason long yes all postseason long no matter how far these teams advance we will have you covered with post game shows so be sure to tune into Bally Sports. But as we get to these interviews, we will start with Katie Angleson and the Florida Panthers before throwing it over to John Crotty and the Miami Heat as the Panthers play tonight. The Heat on Saturday, Panthers back in action on Sunday. There's a whole bunch of sports going on. This is the best. Enjoy this episode of Miami Mic'd Up. And on this episode of Miami Mic'd Up, I am very grateful to be welcoming Katie Angleson, the reporter host extraordinaire from Valley Sports. You can see her, Goldie, and the entire gang on the Panthers Live postgame show after every Panthers game this round and beyond. They did an amazing job broadcasting the first round. So, Katie, amidst all this craziness, thank you so much for making this happen. Uh, It's wild that it took until the second round of the playoffs, but goodness, I'm glad you're here. Thank you for having me, Jeremy. I'm so excited. Love your podcast. So excited to be on and talk some Panthers hockey. Obviously, a very exciting time for the Florida Panthers. It certainly is. Thank you very, very much for the compliment. Um, Before we get into all the hockey, I want to ask you the same question that I start everybody off with here, which is what is something recently outside of work, outside of hockey that has brought you joy? Well, I just got some Tim Hortons, so that brought me (laughs) Joy. Um, actually, the, the only second, the second time I've had Tim Hortons coffee and it's pretty good. I wish okay. we had some of those in Florida, but, um, Ooh, that's, that's a good question. I'll have to say recently, um, I've been involved with an organization called best buddies oh, and I've been involved for like the last 10 years, ever since I was a freshman in college, I was involved when I lived in Dallas for the last four years and recently got in contact with the chapter in South Florida. And we went to a Marlins game with the oh, buddies. Awesome. So that was really cool. It's for those who have um, intellectual and developmental disabilities. So that's something that I've been trying to get involved with. Obviously, the schedule that I have is pretty crazy. So it was nice to be able to make some time and, and do that. That's awesome. First of all, thank you for for dedicating your very little free time that you have towards such a great cause. And second of all, for those who don't know about Best Buddies, you should absolutely look it out. It's an amazing program. Um, my my cousin was highly involved in it when she was back in high school, ran a chapter awesome. down here. My my brother's been involved. So Best Buddies is, is near and dear to my heart um, as well. So thank you for that. And also thank you for coming on this podcast with your other free time and talking Florida Panthers, because this is one of the craziest runs you can see. Um, you know, let's try to put things in perspective as the Panthers needed to win a whole bunch of games down the stretch just to make the playoffs. They were able to do that partially on the back of a, of, of a, a third string goaltender and Alex Lyon 
you know, they've played tough through the first couple of games of the series against Boston, but ultimately they were down 3-1, storm, or rather, roar all the way back, uh, pun intended, and win three straight games to knock off the greatest regular season team of all time. So, Katie, your first year here with the Panthers, can you put into perspective how unreal this run has been from a hockey perspective? And then also, you know, just share with me how it's made you feel, because this has just had to be unbelievable. Well, it's made me feel pretty good and excited. It's been a lot of fun. And I grew up a Florida Panthers fan, so it's pretty cool to be a part of this and get to witness um, history. This is the first time they've won um, a game one of the second round since 1996, which is pretty crazy to think about. Uh, But when you look at the season up until this point in the regular season, um, January 1st, they were nine points out of a a playoff spot, right? Which is crazy to think about. And January was probably one of the craziest time periods of the schedule they had a one road trip we were on uh, it was in the we ended up going i can't remember where exactly we went to but we had a game it all runs together at this point right, of course we had a game uh, it was a four game road trip and it, we had a game in a different time zone um each game so it was just oh wild gosh, right. and i'm just talking for a living right reporting but to think about the players and like adjusting to that and the amount of energy they have to exert it's just wild mm-hmm. wild to think about but able to do that, turn things around um, the rest of the way, um, you know, overcoming injuries, different adversity, um, losing some some really big players. And like at the last part of the regular season, Sam Bennett, who right. has obviously made his presence felt this postseason, and they call him playoff Sam for a reason, uh, you know, and then Anthony Duclair for a good majority of the season. So mm-hmm. the fact that this team has been able to overcome that with a new head coach, learning new systems, New personnel. You look at Matthew Kachuk, of course. We could go right. on and on about him, what he's been able to do with this team. Um, it's it's pretty remarkable. And then you also look at, you mentioned Alex Lyon coming in, and this team was on a four-game losing skid. They then go on to win six straight. And mm-hmm. the first game in that losing or in that winning streak, rather, um, that they won was against Toronto, and that was a big one. So Alex Lyon, so much can be said about him. Um, the amount of pressure that he was under and and the type of person he is. I love talking to him. He's just so mm. normal and just so calm. I mean, all goaltenders are. Sergei Bobrovsky as well. And right. we can talk about him and what he's been able to do in this four-game win streak here in the Stanley Cup playoffs. But hmm. yeah, just wild. Crazy. A wild time. So much to talk about. But uh, a lot can be said about what this team had to endure, what they've been able to overcome, and just the resiliency that they've demonstrated down the stretch. Yeah, and pulling off just simply an unbelievable upset that yet at the same time as as, as shocked as, as all of us were, um, you know, as you have to be by, mm-hmm. by that result. I think anybody who watched this team all season and saw them go through the growing pains that they did and, and the team that they ultimately evolved into late in the season knew there was a chance that this could happen, saw saw the writing on the wall in, in it to an extent and saw a Panthers team that became more complete. And that's what we've seen from them during this four game stretch where now they've, they've won four straight. They won game one, as you mentioned, four to two over Toronto. So what about their performance in game one stands out to you, Katie, is something that you think maybe is is replicable moving forward in the series that can keep the Panthers having an advantage like what we saw in game one? A lot. I think, I mean, early on, the Panthers got in some penalty trouble there. Mm-hmm. And then after 
two, killing off two penalties. Sam Bennett then went on to score that first all-important goal, and that's been a theme in every single win that the Panthers have had. Uh, they've scored first, and that was a big theme uh, in that series with Boston. Um, the team that went on to score first ended up winning the game. So mm. that first goal is so important in terms of dictating the style of game that the team wants to play and playing with the lead, obviously. Um, so a tremendous effort early on on the PK and they went four for four on the penalty kill in that game one. And obviously Toronto is such an explosive, prolific offense. They have some of the biggest names. Austin Matthews is so good. And and Sergei Bobrovsky made some big saves on him early. And I think that kind of gave the team a little bit of confidence, gave them a boost looking ahead to the, to the entire game. But um, yeah, I think, and, and also just looking back to the Boston series, defensively like they haven't allowed that was the fewest amount of goals that they've allowed this series was two and and I think Matthew Kachuk said it best that were the underdogs like they were the underdogs for that game against uh Boston you look at what they were able to accomplish president's trophy the best regular season in NHL history and they're the underdogs against Toronto another really really good team so um yeah, there's so much that they can replicate. And I think they're just riding on this high. This They're riding the momentum. There's a lot of confidence right now surrounding this team. And as we've seen this entire season, the belief in that room has been unwavering. And Matthew Kachuk, a lot of the players like to talk about it. They believe in themselves. And speaking of Matthew Kachuk, he said uh, a few days ago, he said, it's us against the hockey world. And that's oh. so true. But this team, they're taking it one game at a time, uh, focusing on the task at hand. But it, they just have an unwavering belief. And that can go so far. So... It's been it's been fun to watch. Talk about a fun leader in, in Matthew Kachuk, whether it's following him as a player or following him as a member of the media. He's certainly given us some sound bites. He's given us yeah. videos of, hey, we'll be back in this locker room for game seven. You know, he um, he's certainly a character worth watching. And it actually it leads us into this conversation because I don't want to keep you for too long. So I'm not going to focus on every single player in the way that honestly, we could go on and on about so many different guys. And one I didn't even have on the list initially was Sam Bennett. So I'm going to, I'm going to throw a bunch of names at you and you can go any direction you want. You could even go with a name that I don't say, but if I give you Bobrovsky, Kachuk, Montour, Bennett, Verhage, and I give you the platform to just speak here openly about their playoff performance and how it's impressed you. Where, where do you want to go with that conversation? Goodness. Well, all of them have been incredibly impactful. You look at Carter right. Verhage, he's just thrives in those overtime moments. You look at what he did last year against the Capitals and then, of course, uh, the series and uh, with that game-winning goal and then against uh, Boston last series. So he's just unreal. Sam Bennett, another big player. They call him playoff Sam for a reason, as we touched on. Brandon Montour, eight goals. No, six six goals through these eight games. Can't keep up with all numbers. <laughs> right, yeah, a uh, lot of numbers to throw and at like, you. Right, right. And, you know, that's a lot of goals for a forward, but he's a defenseman. So, so much can be said. Yeah, it's just unreal what he's been able to do um, and the confidence that he has. Matthew Kachuk obviously goes without saying, I mean, for him to come to a new team, 100 points for a second consecutive year um, with a new team joining some pretty elite company. Only four players have done that, including mm. him. him uh, Wayne Gretzky is another player. So, he's I mean, okay. yeah, he's, he's decent. He's all right. So, um, so much can be said about the impact he has had. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning too. And coach Maurice talks a lot about just the consistency that we mm. see from him and, um, and obviously he's this gritty in your face type of player. And that's a big reason why the Panthers wanted to bring him in is because they haven't had a player like that. Yeah. 
but he doesn't just talk the talk, but he backs it up with, with the talent that he is, um, his hands, his creativity around the net. It's just unreal. Um, every goal that he scores or he assists on, it's, it's certainly fun to watch. And then also it, it's worth mentioning the type of person that he is off the ice. Coach Maurice talks a lot about how he treats the support staff. And the first week that he got here, he brought the trainers, the equipment staff out for dinner. Um, and that just shows kind of the the type of person that he is. And, mm. you know, I get the privilege of getting to travel with this team along with Randy and Goldie um, to every road trip. And so you see kind of how people treat other people, the bus drivers or the flight attendants. And he is certainly someone who uh, treats everyone with respect. So that's always really nice to see. Um, let's see who else, who else? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that is the last one, but that was a good punctuation on, on Matthew Kachuk. I'll give you that. That, that yeah, it, does, it, a- it is good to know that, you know, I think that's something that, that, um, we've been really blessed with down here for a number of different teams is over the last number of years when there has been a, a star, um, a, a lot of them have treated folks well and like to have people like Sasha Barkov and Matthew Kachuk sort of leading your team as human beings as well is certainly, certainly useful. Um, so, so leading yeah. into Sergei Bobrovsky here. Yes. Oh, and that, and I do want to say too, that's one of the yeah. things that general manager Bill Zito does look for is that the character of the types Absolutely. of players that he's bringing in. And that's certainly evident. Everyone on this team is so wonderful. So um, that's very clear that they're great people. And then, of course, Sergei Bobrovsky, who has been a massive part of this four-game win streak in the playoffs, a nine, is it a nine thirteen save percentage it's over insane. these four games, nine fifteen save percentage, which is just insane. He is, uh, you know, showing us why he won two Besna trophies back in the day. So he's playing really well, probably the best he's played all season, and that, of course, is a massive confidence booster for this team. So, um, yeah, so many players <laughs> have been impactful. Really just, we talked a lot in that first series about the depth of the Boston Bruins, mm. but I think there's a lot to be said about the depth that this Florida Panthers team has. So players, you know, like Anton Lundell, who's really um, been able to grow and has played tremendously, especially on the defensive front. Um, so many players um, that have really stepped up and, and made an impact. So it'll be interesting to see what happens here. Yes, it will. So many things clicking at the right time for this team. So many players coming into their own, whether it's health, whether it's, you know, just playing their best hockey at the right time. It's been really great for the Florida Panthers. All right. Before uh, we do a couple of rapid fire questions at the end that I also gave to Anthony Duclair when he was on this podcast, um, I do want to ask you, it was your first year here reporting on the Florida Panthers. Like you said, you know, you were a Florida Panthers fan growing up. Um, Do you have a do you have a favorite story? from this season that you got to report on something that, that either touched your heart, made you smile, you know, was there a favorite story for you to work on here in your first year on the broadcast? Yeah. Um, really so many great stories. I think one that really sticks out to me, well, I just have to say, I've loved getting to work with Paul Maurice. He is such Mm -hmm. a great coach. So great when it comes to, um, just the insight that he shares always goes out of his way to make me feel comfortable and just Blaylock. I know. And, you know, Randy Mm -hmm. and Goldie and, just I can't say enough good things about him and how much he has impacted me personally in my first year with the Panthers. Um, but Wonderful. one story that we got to do uh, was he when he was in Winnipeg, when he was the head coach of the Jets, he uh, formed a very special relationship with a fan who had cancer. Mm. 
and he went out of his way. Um, I believe it was his tax accountant that put him in contact with this fan. His name was Matthew Legacy, mm. and he went out of his way to visit him at the hospital. Um, and I actually got to speak with Matthew's sister, Bernadette, and she told me that it just left a lasting impression on Matthew and the family. And the family's still in contact with Paul Maurice to this day. Uh, so it's like moments like that that kind of mm. put hockey into perspective. Um, and you realize the impact that these players and these coaches have on um, – on people. So, and obviously Matthew left a lasting impression on, on coach Maurice. So unfortunately he passed away, but, yeah. uh, that is a, a story that I was really grateful to share and really lucky that Paul Maurice allowed me to share that story because that's one that he, you know, he didn't do it for the photo opportunity. Right. You know, it was one that he just, he wanted to meet this fan that was, um, a big fan of his. And obviously it left such a, a impression on Matthew and his last days and then the family as well. So mm. that was it had to be in incredibly humbling to be able to tell that story. And I can tell through the way that you're speaking of it, how much it impacted you. And it's going back to what you just said about, about Matthew Kachuk. We, I mm -hmm. said it about Barkov. You say it about Paul Maurice, a lot of really good people in that building um, mm -hmm. who, who deserve this moment. And, but, but beyond that moment, you know, are, are making a positive impact on people inside and outside of this community. So um, it's really good to know those things um, when, when you're looking at an organization. And so now, as we wrap this up, I want to throw a few just rapid-fire questions. They could be one-word answers, yes or no. Um, they can have explanations if you want them to. Um, and all of these are, are repl replicate questions of ones that I asked Anthony Duclair okay. earlier this season. So I'll, I'll let you know after the fact. Unfortunately, I'm not here fact-checking. I don't have his answers, but I'll let you know after the fact if anything matched. Okay, um, cool. All right, so let's start here. Favorite TV show or movie that you've watched recently? Oh gosh, I don't really watch a lot of TV nowadays. Sports, right? That's all yeah. Right. All right, that's fair. That's fair. All right. So, uh, then... oh, but uh, I'm trying to think. What was the last thing that I watched? <laughs> this is not rapid fire. I'm taking my. No, time. this is great. Take your time. Friday Night Lights. Oh, Good Friday Night Lights. All right, great choice. I rewatched it recently. Yeah. Okay, that's a great choice. Um, do you have a favorite hobby outside of hockey? Uh, love to go on long walks along mm. the beach. <laughs> yeah, and rollerblades on the beach. <laughs> that sounded Hilarious. weird. Um, and I like rollerblade. Love okay, roller cool. Rollerblade. Go with that That's one. Yeah. One. All right, yeah. great. I like. I like that. That's awesome. Um, do you have a most prized possession? Probably my phone. Yep. As is just about all of us. Uh, yeah, I lost that. Left it in the Uber and uh, got it back. Oh, thank but you. But I left it and I, yeah, I didn't know what to do with myself. So no, I would, I would straight up panic. Um, <laughs> do you have a best friendship you've created from the broadcast off screen? Oh, I mean, I'm so fortunate to get to work with Goldie and Randy and everyone, Jess Blaylock, uh -huh. Yogo, Chick and Craig. So everybody. Everyone's so wonderful. Yeah. Everyone is, <laughs> I cannot say enough good things about them and for welcoming me from since day one, but obviously just Blaylock is there my girl. Go. She's amazing and has been a tremendous resource and friend. So yeah, a truly wonderful we'll go with person. her, but everyone yeah. is so great. Yeah. I am so fortunate. You don't want to answer the question, but I made you answer the question. anyway. <laughs> um, Star Wars or Harry Potter. If oh, you have gosh. to, if you have to pick, or you could say no, because I know that's, you could just go, ah, I don't want to watch either because that's what Anthony declare said. Okay. Well then I don't feel so weird. Cause I, I mean, I never watched Star Wars in my yep. life, and I have watched Harry Potter, but I could not tell you a what I remember about it. from those movies. I could name some of the characters, uh -huh. but yeah, so we're going to go I, with I, I like that. Okay. Um, Ted Lasso or The Office? 
I haven't watched either of them. Oh my gosh, Katie, yeah. you're killing I me. I know. I've seen like one Office episode, and that's oh my about God. it. What is? Do you have a favorite, like a favorite TV show ever? Or are you yeah. just? Am I ruining this because you're not a TV person at all? No, I am a television person. I haven't had so much time to watch television, obviously, unless it's sports. But yeah, uh, clearly, I'm a big like trash television. Like I love, oh. Bravo, love the Real Housewives. I've recently, uh, my fiance and I just recently got into Love Island, UK. And okay, is, I have watched Love Island. It yeah, is COVID. awful and terrible and the best, and I love yes, it. Yes, you can't look away. <laughs> okay. Uh, would you say you're a better chef or a better singer? Chef. Chef. And so do you have a go-to meal that's like, if, if I was like saying like, all right, we're going to put your chef skills, culinary skills to the test, what's the go-to meal? Uh, like pasta, maybe? Yeah, that's all right. That's to make. That doesn't make that doesn't No, make, but you know what? But it's all the things chef. that supplement it. It's all the things that supplement it. it right. It's the proper care behind it. Pair that with a good glass of wine. Everybody's exactly. Go. And like pasta a good sauce. Yeah. There you go. All right. Perfect. Um, if you had, if you could have one superpower, what would it be? Oh, teleportation. I like that one. Uh, what's your favorite Halloween costume you've ever worn? I went to Alabama for college uh -huh. and- I once dressed up as an Auburn fan. And that was pretty fun. Like wearing like very overalls scary. and yeah, pretty scary. Yeah, they're pretty scary over there oh, at Auburn. That's Oscar. hilarious. I like that. I like uh, that. And then lastly, what is the first concert you ever went to? American Idols Live yes. at Great. LA Live Arena, which was then uh, the BB&T Center. Right, I think probably, it was probably. Point. But it was the first season of American Idols. So it was- uh, Oh, wow. Well, Kelly Clarkson and company. Kelly Clarkson and Justin Gorini, right? Yeah, uh huh, yeah. uh huh. Yeah. That was the group. Oh, that's amazing! I love that, was... that as a first concert. That's awesome. Yeah. What a great, what a great note to end on. A a a singing note, if you will. Um, <laughs> Katie Ang Katie Angleson, thank you so much for for joining me again. Everybody, um, go follow her. Actually, let me make sure I have all of this right. At Katie Angleson on Twitter, at Katie Angleson on Instagram, right? Both you got yes. it on both both platforms. So go follow her there. Um, and watch her and the rest of the crew on Bally Sports after every single Panthers game. Um, we will keep you guys posted on social media exactly what channel that's always going to be on, but you can always watch it on the Bally Sports app or Bally Sports Plus. Katie, thank you so much for joining me today on Miami Mic'd Up. Thank you, Jeremy. Appreciate it. And on this episode of Miami Mic'd Up, as we continue to dive into the Miami Heat postseason, nobody better to break it down than the one and only John Crotty, who joins me now. You can watch him after every single game this postseason. We are continuing our Heat Live postgame shows after every game of this Heat-Knicks series and hopefully beyond, uh, just presuming the Heat advance past the Knicks. But we'll get into that and their chances right now. John Crotty, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, good to be on, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, um, before we get into basketball, got to start you in the same place we always do, which is what is something recently outside of basketball, outside of work that has brought you some joy? Uh, brought me some joy. Uh, just getting great news. My, my youngest daughter just got admitted to uh, law school, so she's going to be attending uh, Wake Forest University. So we're Holy very cow. excited about that here in the karate family and we you know everyone's got to have at least one attorney in the family right Jeremy? <laughs> yeah absolutely absolutely that's always helpful and congratulations to your daughter that's amazing that's that's a wonderful institution yeah, as well really proud so. of her 
really that's proud awesome. Of some some hard work clearly went behind that. Um, and speaking of hard work, let's talk playoff basketball, huh? Uh, the Miami Heat split with the New York Knicks in Madison Square Garden, one one. Took Game One with Jimmy Butler on the floor, lost Game Two with Jimmy Butler off the floor. But Karate, be- before we get into Jimmy Butler and his excellence and all of those factors, I just want to hear sort of your general takeaways after the first couple of games of this series, what you've liked from Miami and what you think maybe you know they can improve. Sure. I mean, look, overall, when you look at the two games and, and their totality, just amazing competitive uh, fire and desire from Miami and, and just being able to compete, Jeremy. I mean, game one, obviously, uh, to come out in, in, a, in a really um, hostile environment, if you will, a really engaged uh, New York group um, and, and being able to sort of withstand that and, and get a performance uh, like they did from the entire team, along with Jimmy, to, to to win that game puts New York on their heels right away. And then when we unfortunately, you know, uh, saw Jimmy roll his ankle at, with 5:05 left in that fourth quarter, and he continued to stay in more as a decoy. He just couldn't pivot and turn on it, but you know, allowed the defense to kind of draw towards him. Um, you know, I, I respected him so much for doing that, and. But the, the news that he couldn't play in game two was like, oh, no, here we yeah. go. And Julius Randle on the flip side on New York able to go. They're all-star guy who missed game one. And you're like, wow, this could be, you know, a, a really potentially lopsided affair. And, you know, the Miami Heat culture, again, rises to the top. The competitiveness, the mental toughness, the next man up mentality. And, you, you know, you get a collective effort. If you're a Heat fan, the way that team battled and went right down the stretch, you know, two plays probably separate that game from being a, a potential win for Miami. So I think you have to be really happy with what you've seen in the first two games. And I think, um, you know, Miami on, on a whole, uh, you know, has a lot of positive things to look at from a defensive and offensive perspective as we come back home here for game three. You know what, before we get into J- Jimmy Butler and his excellence that we've seen in, in the first series and what we can maybe anticipate moving forward, I, I do want to stop on those role players because yeah. I have been absolutely blown away, particularly <laughs> by, I mean, you see Duncan Robinson who stepped up and played the way he did in the first series, but the guys who are, who are really standing out to me, it's Gabe Vincent and Caleb yeah. Martin. The two of them and what they did in Game 2 against the New York Knicks, but really what they both did in that first series against Milwaukee as well. How impressive, I mean, essentially, you have Gabe going out there and doing his best Tyler Hero impression ever since Hero went down. And you got <laughs> Caleb Martin in game two doing his best Jimmy Butler impression and doing it pretty well. How impressive have these two guys been? Look, it's it's amazing. Uh, you know, you, you would expect maybe to see one or two games where they really step up, but they've been consistent throughout, right? Um, right. And Gabe, you know, has had some shooting games that have been up and down, but what he's done is really run the team and, and be a, um, a very efficient floor leader and then when you add on top of that the three-point shooting and the, and the perimeter defense that he brings, he's been outstanding, absolutely outstanding, and completely not plussed by, like, the playoff experience. I think last year, you know, last year getting a chance to play really has helped him. And then Caleb, you know, maybe the best two-way player signing, right, in the history of the NBA. We were talking about it the other night. Crazy. Just his ability to impact the game. Um, you know, to me, he's always been a – an elite athlete, a guy who can, you know, attack the rim and get on top of the rim with great uh, finishes and dynamic plays. But it's his outside shooting, his three-point shooting to me has become much more reliable and, and a real weapon. So now when they run at him, he's just, you know, he uses that explosive first step. But he does so many other things. He's rebounding the ball. He's defending as well. 
Um, you know, both of those guys are, are critical at the top of the two, three zone that they have to cover a lot of ground. They're able to guard one on one multiple positions. So uh, I, I think when you look at this, you know, and, and I was a role player in the NBA. Mm-hmm. So much of this to me is about confidence. And so much of this to me is about two things. The coaching staff really infusing uh, these guys with that kind of confidence. Hey, you can do this. Shoot your shot. <laughs> Play your game. Right. And they don't. They make a mistake. You don't. You never see them looking over their shoulder at the bench, which which happens in a lot of scenarios. Mm-hmm. And then on top of that, some of the the senior leadership on the team, guys, take that shot. That's the right shot for you. That's it. That's an awesome feeling when you're a player in that position, where you have not only your players' respect, but the coaching staff, you know, pushing and and, and really totally supporting you. It's such a great point that it also matters with the senior leadership on the team. You know, we've yeah. heard Max as well, Max, Gabe, Caleb, all these guys say that, hey, Jimmy's constantly telling us, take that shot. Constantly. If anything, he's mad at us for not taking it more often. And that's the type of mentality they have. And, you know, you speak about the confidence from from last season into this season. It was funny. I, I pulled Gabe aside at, at shoot-around before the, the play-in game against Atlanta. And I had asked him, you know, just sort of, hey, we're going into the postseason. You know, this is technically your first postseason as a a starting point guard. You know, I was kind of trying to pry for some of those, some of the nerves, some of the, like, adjustments. Is there anything there? He was as cool as can be and and almost, like, dismissive of my questions, like, in a a nice way. But, like, he was like, look, man, I'm not phased. We've been through this last year. I played in postseason basketball. Yeah, all right, I'm the starter now. Who cares? Like, it's about who finishes. And watching the level of confidence that these guys play with, not only after sort of an up-and-down season for some of these role players, but just, you know, being... You know, you're Gabe Vincent and Caleb Martin. You're these guys who are undrafted you're or a two-way player, and you're coming in and you're performing like that in Madison Square Garden. It's so impressive. But let's get to the main attraction. It's Jimmy Butler. Uh, Jimmy Butler was sensational, obviously, in the first round, you know, playing himself into to that playoff Jimmy moniker. He was really great in game one as well, even though the scoring output wasn't there in the same way. The, the anticipation is that Jimmy will be back for Game 3. I think we're all sort of assuming that, you know, depending on how the ankle feels here, that he'll be back for Game 3. But, John Crotty, can you explain the type of of impact that playoff Jimmy (laughs) has been having on this team and and what you anticipate from him moving forward in this series against, you know, a different matchup in the Knicks than what he saw against the Bucs? Yeah, look, look, first of all, what he's doing is absolutely amazing. When you look at the scoring and the output that he's done, it's its historical from a Miami Heat franchise perspective. And you're talking about, you know, a very rich history of of guys like um, Dwayne Wade and LeBron James who, you know, have scored, you know, the 40-plus points like he's done, and he's done it in a lot less games. It's just mm-hmm. been incredible what, what he's been able to do. And the thing, you know, having, having had experience being around playoff basketball – the thing that's amazing about this is the team that you're playing against, it's not a one-off game during the regular season where maybe they're coming off another game on a back-to-back or they only have one day off to prepare. This is a, a team um, strategy where they literally are scheming, uh, trying to prevent Jimmy from catching the ball. They're going to try to take away the top two, three things that he wants to do every single game, and he's still able to do them, right? He's, he imposes his will. He's able to get to his game. I think he's a very hard guy to be able to double team because of his ability to attack in that mid-range area. Um, if you could pin him up against the sideline or you know out beyond the arc or if he's trying to post, 
it's easier to double team a guy in the post. But when you have the ability to attack off the dribble and get into that mid-range game, it's very difficult to be able to double team somebody. And Jimmy, I think, is a very good passer on top of that. I, I, I love what he did in the Milwaukee series where he came out and and, and um, most of the first quarters and really established himself. Yep. Yep. You know, and, and was able to score. And when he does that, he puts the defense completely on their heels. Now they're trying to react to him. And what that does is it makes the game easier for everybody else. Uh, guys get more space to be able to create their own shots or or just have more open shots in general where um, he's drawing so much of that defensive pressure, he makes it, it easier. That's what stars do. Jimmy seems to be able to take it up to another whole level um, than even the, the, the best stars in the league when it comes to playoff time. It's really sensational to watch him sort of plot for this. And we saw it all season long, right, as he maintained his body, as he maintained his mind, waiting for this moment to be able to strike. It's really so impressive. Um, two more questions for you before I let you go. Um, before we get to the the sort of X factors moving forward in Game 3, I do want to talk about Bam Adebayo, who sort of tried to, to shoulder the load of the responsibility of, hey, you know, this one's on me after Game 2. And, you know, Bam seems to be a guy who really constantly wants to take responsibility, wants to, you know, be the guy who's accountable. Um, and for that matter, all season long, we've seen him show up on the floor. Obviously, you know, the numbers are are slightly down this postseason. And, and Bam would be the first to tell you that there have been moments through this this postseason where he has struggled. Um, but what have you seen from Bam and and Sort of what have your what are your thoughts on on this sort of like difference with Bam in the postseason that that seems to be everybody else's perception? Well, look, Bam had a tremendous year and he was an all-star, obviously voted on for a second all-star. I think what we've yep. seen is really since that game and, and really in the um towards the end of the season, we saw teams doing a much better job taking away his strengths. Mm -hmm. And that was just what I was alluding to with Jimmy Butler in the playoffs, how they they try to do that, but you're not able to with Jimmy because of his multifaceted game. I think with Bam, it's easier. I really do. Mm. I think what they're able to do is take away Bam's uh, rolls to the basket, those short rolls where he was catching it at the free throw line or the dotted line. They're eliminating a lot of those. That was his go-to shot. Um, and they're taking away the quick dive cuts for lobs. And it's, it's making it harder for him to inject himself uh, into the offense. He's not a back-to-the-basket post scorer. He's no. not a come-off-catch-and-shoot guy. So he's got to find his offense within, you know, the, the half-court sets, and, and that's not easy all the time for him. The other thing in the first round is he may it may have been the worst matchup for him, oh, yeah. the, the matchup he hates the most, which is playing a bigger, stronger Brook Lopez on yep. a drop zone coverage where he's just sitting in front of the rim, giving him space, where Bam really can't get into rhythm and make some of those shots that he's accustomed to making. So not easy for him there. And, um, you know, I think with him, he's just got to continue to stay aggressive. Yep. He's got to look to create for his teammates. And when he does that off the dribble, things tend to open up for him. That's when those dive cuts open. That's when his ability to um, catch that ball on the move. He's good with the quick dribble or two to get rhythm. And I think he has to continue to put that ball down on the floor when he can. Draw fouls, too, Jeremy. Yep. That's a great way to get yourself in a rhythm as a scorer. It almost felt like last game he tried to assert himself early, and, and when he didn't get yep. those calls that he thought he might early in the game, that sort of took him out of it from an ag aggressive scoring perspective, but obviously no, still point. setting up teammates. And, and I think that that does make a difference, right, whether that whistles it does. early.
Yeah, and, the, and your point about the fouls, remember he got into defensive foul trouble yep. too, picked up a couple fouls, so had to sit down um, and was out of the game a little bit longer than he typically would be. Coach Spo had to had to rest him, sort of protect him from picking up more fouls. Right. And as a player, that's very hard to come on, on and off the bench outside of your typical rotation in times that you're mentally prepared for. Right, exactly. Well, now, headed into Game 3, we anticipate seeing these teams essentially at full strength. Hopefully, Jimmy Butler back. Obviously, no Tyler Hero for this entire postseason, which we didn't get into and, and is such a huge factor in everything that the Heat do, but that, that's a separate conversation for another time. Um, what, in your mind, John Crotty, is the X factor going into Game 3? What do you, you know, as, as, as the Heat win Game 1, the Knicks adjust and come back in Game 2, you know, now both of these teams headed out there, like I said, essentially at full strength. What do you anticipate in game three and you know how can the heat come out victorious well i think we we need a healthy jimmy butler to be aggressive in that first quarter Mm -hmm. um one of the reasons why miami's offense is really kind of flipped right and become one of the elite offenses um after the first round had the best offensive numbers of any team in the playoffs which is remarkable considering they were 30th in scoring going into the playoffs and, and now are number one, right? In terms of scoring, at least at the end of the Milwaukee series, it may, it, may, it may have trickled off a little bit here after the last game, but they're just performing at such a high level there. And a lot of that, I think, has to go to pace. Um, and what I mean by that is they're pushing the ball down the floor, not always to score in a fast break, but um, to get easier shots before the defense is set. And we saw some amazing outlet passes from Kevin Love, right, where he's throwing those right uh, three-quarter court passes to try to beat the defense down the floor over the top to Jimmy, finding three-point shooters like Max or, or Duncan before the defense can rotate out to him. That's important. Their spacing's been better. The ball movement's been, you know, really good. And um, I think the addition of, of Kevin Love and, and, and Cody Zeller to some uh, extent has helped Miami. Yep. Um, the three-point shooting of Kevin Love, really does matter because that defender can't hang off and clog the paint. They got to come all the way out to guard Kevin um, along with the obvious makes it opens up paint opportunities for others. So I am anticipating again, a, um, a, a faster paced game for Miami. Um, I'm anticipating a lot of Jimmy Butler, you know, mm-hmm. oriented um, attacks and hopefully getting to the free throw line more. He were so reliant on the three point shot because without Jimmy, they become more, perimeter oriented versus maybe a more attacking off the dribble. So the free throws were down and the three point shots were up. And if, and you know, that's not really the ideal mix for Miami. I think that'll stabilize, get back to where it should be once Jimmy is injected back into the lineup. See that stabilize and hope those percentages stay where they are. As we head into game three, uh, you can watch everyone listening to this. The Heat Live post game show after the game. Game three starts at 3.30 on ABC after the game. And Eric Reed will host it. I'll be there with you guys on the Heat Live post game show. I can't wait. My first playoff coverage ever on a Heat broadcast and I cannot wait to be a part of it. I'm excited for everybody to be able to watch, whether it's on Bally Sports Sun, the Bally Sports app, BallySports.com, or Bally Sports Plus. We got you guys covered. John Crotty, thank you so much for joining me today on Miami Mic'd Up. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Thank you for listening to Bally Sports Florida's Miami Mic'd Up with me, Jeremy Taché. And a special thank you to our national sponsor in Southeast Toyota. Visit your local Toyota dealers or toyota.com today and take advantage of the amazing deals on their full line of vehicles. No matter your destination, Toyota goes with you. Toyota, let's go places.